step three is very high, then the cluster spins up more pods. Uh, helps teams to uh, avoid costly mistakes. Welcome to the Ball.com Tech Lab podcast. Before we start, we'd like to ask you something. We're very curious what you think of our podcast. If you have suggestions or questions, uh, please contact us. You can reach out via Twitter, ball underscore com underscore tech lab, email techlab at ball.com or find uh, Peter Brouwers or Peter Paul van der Beek on LinkedIn. We love to hear from you. Yes, thanks Peter Paul. Really looking forward to uh, some interaction with uh, our ever-growing audience. So, so let's dive into the topic of this episode. We try to break down our cloud journey in small pieces. And in this episode, we will talk about the redesign for the cloud, about horizontal scaling. During the last Spaces Summit, and if you want to know what that is, look in our Tech Lab site for more information and some other uh, episodes. Uh, the, audio, the, the guests of this show shared a cool story on, the, on their experience. So I think it's time for us to dive into that one as well in this episode. While Bob.com is moving into the cloud uh, with, with our services and uh, big data platform, the reason for the move to, uh, of the big data part was explained in an episode a couple of months ago. The reasons to move services in the cloud vary uh, as well, and we dive into the scaling reason in this episode. And our guests share their journey, so time to introduce them. Yeah, so there's uh, uh, René Kroon. He's a software engineer in our platform space. That's basically where we deliver the building blocks that our development uh, teams uh, use. Welcome, René. Hi. And then we have uh, Rogier Lommers. He's a software architect. And uh, yeah, he's this is the second time uh, in the podcast. So he's becoming a friend of the show. Yes. Welcome to you as well. <laughs> Thank you. Great to have you here. Uh, Rogier, what's this subject all about? Um, the subject is about how to scale uh, in terms of in incoming traffic. So um, mm -hmm. in our case, we have a service. We call it the, the DAS, and the DAS is responsible for everything related to images on the web shop. Mm -hmm. So there are suppliers offering us URLs to, to their original product images, mm -hmm. and then our service uh, needs to fetch those assets, uh, do some uh, validation, sanitize its content, uh, extract metadata, and finally uh, render web optimized versions, which are then being served out to our uh, customer. Okay, can you explain the render part? Because I think that some of the yeah, the won't understand. Yeah, so uh, most ideal and uh, the suppliers deliver us very high resolution content. Mm -hmm. um, and um, we don't want to serve very uh, <laughs> big image files to our customers. Therefore, we have created, created the service which compresses the mm -hmm. okay. images, yeah. makes them yeah, optimized for your uh, device, basically. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And now the problem was that the, the service uh, uh, was still running in our own data center, mm -hmm. and uh, we did not have any Kubernetes uh, cluster um, back there. Mm -hmm. So then you need to choose how many nodes you want, basically. Yeah, so basically when you want the service, you have to request, I want 10 nodes. Yeah. And then you get that. Yeah. And then you have to come up with a good story. Why do you need 10 nodes? What kind of nodes? Uh, memory or CPU mm -hmm. intensive nodes, yeah. etc. But um, this, this, this works, but only if you know what to expect in terms of traffic. Mm -hmm. And especially uh, with uh, the handling of assets, we, didn't, we don't know when a supplier delivers us uh, 
a bunch of new assets. So basically, we can't predict when uh, suppliers offer us new sets of images. That's basically what you're saying. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Can you can you share some numbers? What what uh, numbers of assets uh, we we have in our databases and and what number of new assets are delivered every day? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in our database, we have 90 million assets. So 90 million images, basically. And uh, each day, we receive on average 12 million URLs pointing to assets which we need to process. So for each incoming URL, mm -hmm. we need to get that image, validate, sanitize, render, extract metadata, and finally push it to the web shop. And the issue is that you say this is an average, so you don't know when a peak comes in. When a peak comes in. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. a supplier uh, has a, a new category, or, or for example, and then suddenly you receive two million assets in uh, in one hour, and then yeah, how do you scale on that? Yeah. So, do, so do we make agreements with uh, suppliers in in how many? Uh, yeah, good question because that's there. that's the whole point here. The, the service level agreement is about I think twenty four hours today. Today, so. For each incoming URL, we need to make sure that we can process that URL within these hours. And when there are, are a lot of peaks, multiple times a day, then sometimes we are simply not able to do that. And in the data center, it wasn't really possible to add new hardware mm -hmm. in a quick way. So we couldn't say, well, we ordered 10 nodes and now we want 14, for example. That yeah, the, the process of uh, of adding new hardware in the data center was a bit um, time-consuming. Maybe René can tell, tell something about that. Yeah, so before we uh, moved this to the cloud, I had some uh, contact uh, with Rogier in the months before. Mm -hmm. And um, <coughs> they were unable to meet the SLA. Mm -hmm. So what, uh, what happened is that uh, as soon as they were uh, seven days behind, they would uh, <coughs> remove or empty their uh, queue. Mm -hmm. And everybody had to start over. Uh, so I checked if we could add some resources, and uh, we have a button for that, except in the case for uh, fetching images from the outside world, uh, that button doesn't work. So uh, it meant that uh, there was no easy easy way out. Mm -hmm. So uh, we started uh, thinking about something else. And, yeah. uh, some parts of the image processing pipeline are, are quite simple, they are stateless, so uh, it was a good good example project to take to the cloud. Mm -hmm. So uh, first I started uh, moving the parts to the cloud, um, not so much for the scaling, but so that I could hand uh, uh, the operations to, to Regia, so that he could be uh, self-servicing on that. Okay, yeah. And uh, that's basically where he could take over and uh, continue with his own uh, improvements. Okay. Hey, but that means, at least as far as my understanding goes, that you had like process and the steps that you named that you could fairly easily um, yeah, send one part in the cloud and one part in our own data center. I mean, that also had some uh, yeah, requirements for the software then, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So normally if you go to the cloud <coughs> with a service, then um, yeah, you take it as is, yeah. you wrap it in a Docker container and then you're ready to go. Mm -hmm. but, but in this case, we uh, we first did some um, some uh, check checks where the yeah, what, what piece took us the longest? So, yeah. so, so basically, what was the bottleneck of the yeah. uh, for the 
Yeah, because uh, image processing is about downloading. Mm -hmm. uh, then you do the, the sanitizing, so making making sure that there are no viruses um, mm -hmm. uh, and um, malicious uh, code in, inside the images. Uh, there's some validation mm -hmm. and uh, the rendering, of course. And then turned turned out that the sanitizing part was the most uh, heavy part. Yeah, where a lot of people would expect the rendering, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it it it, it was the sanitized part, and. Um, uh, Additional problem was that in the old way, mm -hmm. the, everything was uh, happening in one big atomic action. So at, okay. at some point we thought, okay, maybe it's good to separate these steps mm -hmm. and make them auto scaling because yeah. then then you would benefit the cloud. Uh, um, uh, yeah. Y yeah. So that would be a great way to benefit from the the, the possibilities in the cloud. Yeah. To uh, yeah, get the, the big one into the separate steps and make each of the steps out of scaling. Yeah. That's what you did. Correct. Yeah. And each I individual step then um, is uh, running uh, in the in, in a calculated amount of, of parts. Mm -hmm. So if there's a if the CPU uh, usage of uh, of step three is very high, then the cluster spins up more parts so that. Um, yeah, it's, it, it eventually speeds up the whole process. What, what is a pod for uh, the audience that is not that familiar with it? Uh, yeah, uh, a pod is uh, basically a single Docker container uh, running on Kubernetes. So you run a Docker container and it has some uh, preset uh, resources. So you can uh, tell it how much CPU to use, how much memory. And uh, this is much easier than in the, the data center because our, our data center is quite static. Mm -hmm. So if you request something, you get a, a standard virtual machine. And uh, if you want something else, then well, you have to prove over and over again that it's really a good idea. Mm -hmm. So <coughs> uh, most importantly, uh, we can cut the red tape uh, in the cloud. So instead of waiting for VMs, we just start deploying our own pods. And so uh, in the case of the image pipeline, there are more, uh, more resources that we can use more efficiently in the cloud. Uh, because we also have to store all these images and uh, they were stored in the data center on a, on a shared NFS share. And that means that uh, if there's a problem with storage or that you use more storage, that you have to uh, interact with the operations department who then interacts with all the major space users. And now it all goes away. It is just in, a, in the namespace uh, of image processing. Your, your um, re remark about w why does rendering uh, well, why isn't rendering more uh, intensive than uh, sanitizing? That's, I think, because of the fact how we do that. I think it's okay. inter interesting for the, for the listeners uh, to hear, because what we do is an, an asset comes in, mm -hmm. so it's an image, yeah. and then we create another image based on the original. Yeah. So you're transcoding the original, which may contain malicious code. You create a new image out of, out of that image with yeah. no compression so basically no data loss yeah and then so uh, with the aim of getting rid of that of that um, malicious code okay so that's why it's that time consuming okay. because basically yeah. it is the same as rendering try to summarize this we had this uh, service we call it uh, the Duxy, which is doing all this work for for the translation from the URLs into uh, uh, assets in, in the in the database uh, you find out that you uh, need a, another way to to scale up and also scale down if you if you don't need the resources why uh, why have it? Um, you came with uh, uh, with the, the options the, the cloud offers, 
so that that's running Kubernetes right now, Kubernetes cluster. So what do we, uh, what did we have to do to, uh, from a technical side in in the, in the Kubernetes layer to achieve this, and what in the in the application layer? That's something I'm really curious about. Maybe Renee to start with uh, the Kubernetes layer. Uh, yeah, on the Kubernetes layer, um, we uh, already had a cluster running. So uh, at Bull, uh, we have uh, one big cluster for the production environment, and it runs. Uh, about 80% of all the applications running on production. Uh, so that cluster was uh, fit for purpose. Uh, then we only needed to have an uh, uh, explicit whitelist to go uh, to the outside world, uh, basically a wildcard to retrieve uh, URLs. So from the Kubernetes standpoint, it was quite easy. And then uh, because we're doing image processing, we could uh, scale on CPU usage. And that's also uh, more or less built in in Kubernetes. So Kubernetes cluster was actually already uh, done for this kind of uh, scale-up and scale-down uh, uh, use cases? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was very easy. I, uh, yeah. From my perspective, I picked up the application and then deployed it on the cloud. Uh, from my perspective, I only had to uh, ask for uh, the whitelist. And, uh, uh, since it was an existing application, it was not too hard to get permission. Okay. So that, that sounds very easygoing. We have... We have uh, abstraction layer, I would say, in between, right? between uh, what, what the cloud offers and what the teams can use. And we call the tool to, uh, to use for that. It's R2D2. Maybe we can do another podcast on, on that uh, homemade uh, solution. Did we have to do uh, changes in R2D2 as well? Uh, no. Uh, R2D2 is uh, uh, a wrapper around Terraform, and it uh, incorporates our, our company security policies. And it also uh, uh, helps teams to uh, avoid costly mistakes by accidental deletions and such. Uh, but for uh, a standard new servers, it's uh, it's great. You can just uh, you, you need to edit some uh, some stuff in a YAML file. So usually it's a it's a copy paste from the, the nearest project that, that looks good, and then uh, then you're good to go. Yeah. So actually, all the uh, building blocks were available for the team. Uh, to, to start with and to adapt the, the service, right? Yeah, yeah. due to the way the, the sanitizing service, we call it <coughs> the Duxy, due to the way it's uh, set up, uh, it wasn't very hard as well because the Duxy acts as a good old proxy server. So our um, uh, HTTP clients were simply using that proxy server to do the, um, yeah, the, uh, the outbounding uh, requests. And uh, yeah, Duxy is running in a DMZ, so a demilitarized uh, zone. So Duxy is allowed to go to the outside world. Our service can make use of the Duxy. And the Duxy is auto-scaling now. So um, yeah, win-win situation, basically. But what do you, did you have to do to, to adapt it? Uh, we didn't have to do anything, to be honest. It was still uh, using the proxy server. So Duxy was, we were already, already using Duxy but it wasn't uh, running in the cloud. Exactly. So it's yeah. actually just setting a few uh, parameters and that's it. Uh. Yeah, yeah, and uh, pay a few bucks uh, in a month uh, more because that's, that's an <laughs> interesting topic. But let's talk about Because we also <laughs> learned something, yeah. 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 <laughs> you learned something? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Uh, the cloud isn't free, basically. And, um, um, but neither was our data center, right? Correct. But, but, but nobody uh, knows except the guy that for the data center. Yeah. Nobody knows him as well. So it's uh, <laughs> yeah, but it was a very good situation for people that were not interested in what running a service cost. Yeah. 
But yes, so now this this uh, setup makes it more transparent. That's what we say. Uh, we can make, give insights in in actually per team and per service what the the run in the cost uh, run in the cloud cost. So what what were the learnings here? Uh, um, uh, for some reason, we tell the suppliers to deliver all their content each day, maybe even multiple times a day, because then they they think that their content will be uh, uh, pre-year one, but that, which is not, not the case. But, but it's in their heads <laughs> for some reason that, that uh, oh, just deliver all our stuff all day and then... Um, and it should be fine. Yeah, 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 and they will be fine, but we need to download these bytes and we need to sanitize them, render them, uh, etc. cetera. So um, that was kind of a big learning here. Mm-hmm. Think about how you communicate this because auto scaling works perfectly. If you have 10 million URLs, and uh, yeah, the auto scaler does its, its thing, and uh, the, so. the euro uh, counter at Google also <laughs> does its uh, its thing. So yeah. So but did did we uh, kept the auto scaling, or did we start to uh, communicate with suppliers from hey, just send us the things that are really new or, or really changed or no, what's yeah. the approach? We, uh, we implemented uh, a rate limiter. <laughs> okay. So if you already uh, delivered us this URL the past 12 hours, then we skip it. Okay. Basically. Yeah. So there's basically a smart way of handling the incoming traffic. Uh, if, if you've already sent a certain URL, we just yeah. dump it. Yeah. But um, making them aware Mm-hmm. Not to provide us all their URLs each day, multiple times a day, is a better solution, but that takes a lot of time, uh, especially with the number of uh, suppliers we are dealing with every day. Yeah, so, yeah, so also on the on the technical side, we have some uh, some remarks about uh, scaling. So if you want to scale your application, you should not uh, scale dump design. So uh, the original situation where there's no rate limiter, it's a bit of dump design because uh, if people just Stand the same stuff over and over again. We just uh, mm-hmm. we just process it and uh, we eat everything up, and we see it uh, at the end of the month when the bill yeah. comes in. So you should also uh, scale what you understand. So in this case, it was quite easy because uh, uh, downloading and sanitizing the image is a relatively small process. But uh, if you want to scale uh, on, on another property, like a response time to your customer, uh, then you need to uh, wire that into uh, an auto scaler. That's uh, slightly more difficult, but it's certainly worth the effort. And uh, in the end, you should also check uh, back to the business. Is there an SLA? Uh, are we meeting it or not meeting it? And uh, you should not always solve it uh, on the technical side, but you can also go back and uh, ask business to, yeah. to change their uh, process. So the rate limiter is actually uh, an implementation of, of this, or is the business still struggling what what to, to deal with with, uh, with the suppliers? Yeah, the, the rate limit only makes sure that we don't reprocess URLs more than once a day. So but the process of educa- educating the suppliers is, is, an, is an ongoing process. Yeah. How do you find your limits to set in? in uh, because I can ex- uh, imagine that autoscaling is nice, but if you have... Uh, uh, Something going on that you didn't expect that it it's growing for uh, forever. So you you end up with uh, uh, way too high costs. So how do you come up with with uh, limits over there? 
Uh, well, the, the lower limit was quite easy in this case because you could look at the application in the data center. Mm -hmm. and, uh, in that way, uh, it, that was at the lower limit. The lower limit was like not enough to keep up with uh, daily, uh, daily usage. Uh, for the upper limit, yeah, you should set some uh, sane number. You should not put some insanely high number that you will never hit. Because there can always be that bug in the code. And uh, okay. ah. you probably do not want to scale infinitely just because you had a bug. So, yeah, it's a process of measuring and uh, yeah, looking at what's needed. So this Kubernetes cluster is determining itself when to scale up? When... Uh, uh, and and also when it can start scaling down, yeah. or do yeah. you need some information for that for queuing and that kind of stuff? Yeah, we we specify uh, for uh, this service we specify the minimum number of pods, the maximum number of pods, and the uh, desired CPU utilization. Okay. And that way, uh, Kubernetes will automatically uh, change uh, the number of pods every thirty seconds if needed. Every thirty seconds, so that is really can be really. Uh, yeah. Uh, only uh, only a few months ago it was every five minutes. Now it's every thirty seconds. So uh. yeah. So if the CPU usage of all the Duxy nodes is more than X for thirty seconds, then Kubernetes makes sure that more pods are added. And if it's lower than a certain rate, then it kills the pods again. Kills, yeah. Uh, yeah. Kills and you specify a minimum and a max. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And. You're obviously measuring things, and does it really fluctuate yeah. a lot during the day? Yeah, I'm really yeah, curious. Yeah, 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 yeah. We we have moments that there are 40 pods running, yeah. and so during the night times there are moments that we only have the base minimum of three. I think I'm not okay. I'm not even sure, man. But yeah, yeah, you really see a lot of uh, fluctuation there. Yeah, Very which is which is great to see because otherwise we it wasn't necessary for us to do it. <laughs> yeah. I would also suspect that during the day uh, there would be still some more traffic because in some cases these content-related processes are really batch-driven now, and that's typically also some other companies during do during night hours. So I'm quite surprised that there's not much to do then. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it depends on on a weekday. I think mm -hmm. yeah, okay. we we don't have any control of when they start sending sending us. So. Um, yeah, the good thing is that we don't really have to monitor that anymore. So uh, this is all handled by the auto scaling. And yeah. We just need to check that we stay within the limits, and if the bill is unacceptable, unacceptable, we can go uh, directly uh, to the business instead of wondering if we need to do something at the application. Yeah. So just just wondering if if tomorrow comes another ten applications in that starts with auto scaling, what does that do on the on the level of the Kubernetes cluster? Is that also auto-scaling, or is, th is that something that the, the Kubernetes team should uh, stay focused on? Yeah, I'm not an expert on the, on the clusters, but they are also auto-scaling, <laughs> except that they are a bit slower because they have to spin up new uh, virtual machines instead of single pods. And uh, this generally also goes quite well, uh, except that we have, uh, we have seen that uh, the cloud is not uh, unlimited. Every mm -hmm. now and then uh, we hit a limit, and uh, we have to check with Google uh, if they can increase it or if we can get a higher quota. So um, if there's like a like a linear growth, or then then it works fine. And we just open a ticket every now and then, and we get good support. So cool. So um, did you do a kind of an evaluation and, and came up with other use cases that uh, can benefit from, from, from this? Is that something yeah. to share? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so this was the most obvious one because it basically we, we weren't able to keep up with the load. <laughs> but now that this one is fixed, um, we are talking with our data science guys uh, because they have all kinds of nicely trained models. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, this is a very good way of applying those models. And then if I s s stick to the asset domain, maybe um, porn detection, for example, or uh, brand logo detection, all, all these things, which are really intensive in terms of the uh, used algorithms, it's perfect to put them behind the autoscaler. Be because, uh, for instance, brand logo detection is a combination of uh, a uh, data science model in combination with the asset and find out if there's uh, something in. Yeah, and, okay. and, the, and the operation is very heavy. So if you want to be able to do that in parallel a lot, then you need to have a lot of hardware. And even more. And yeah. autoscaling can help uh, with that. And also the rendering, of course. The, the final step uh, is uh, something which we have on our uh, shortlist. So where, where should uh, teams go to, uh, to find out uh, if they can benefit? Uh, well, they can check also uh, the video of the full presentation that we gave at Space Summit. Uh, they can check their uh, uh, Kubernetes documentation for the horizontal pod autoscaler. And uh, if you want to be uh, more adventurous, you can uh, try to plug in uh, custom stack driver metrics. Uh, we're also working on that. And so that custom stack driver metrics? Yeah, so the, the autoscaler works on a few presets, like uh, CPU usage or memory usage, but you can also uh, adapt it to use uh, any metric. And we're also uh, working on that. And in the ideal case, we can uh, autoscale on uh, sub queue size. So that uh, instead of having a very big queue, we just start processing it very quickly. So yeah, so I would suggest to start with the horizontal pod autoscaler. It's a very, very easy to uh, enable if you have Kubernetes running. So that's the, the, the basic, basic first step and then find out what, what's uh, more behind the switch. Yeah, if it works for you, then uh, you can expand it. and uh, Get to know your service. If a team knows what parts of their service are the most time consuming, then uh, these are good candidates, I think. And in general, I even uh, I think I, we can even say that uh, all use cases where you have to deal with spikes and uh, unknown load and volumes, cons consider it because it's it's not it's not a lot of work <laughs> to uh, apply the outscaling. There are now examples in uh, in R2D2. You can uh, consult uh, Rene or uh, or uh, someone from Team Mirage. Just um, yeah, try it out. I find it kind of un unbelievable. Last year, I, I attended this summit from Google in, in Amsterdam, and somebody was presenting about uh, moving your applications into the cloud. And you have this approach uh, that you can say, I do a lift and shift, uh, but then you don't benefit from the, from the cloud uh, possibilities. And you have this other approach, uh, really adapting and, and, and or uh, adapting your application. Of course, you can go to buy designing your application from scratch. That's the, that's the most extreme one, I think. But adapting already sounded, sounded during the, the, the Congress quite uh, heavy. But while talking to you, I, I think it, it sounds really easy. So wh where is the, the pitfall? What, what, uh, or is it just that easy? Uh, there's also a catch like in the other regulations. So for PAI data, we are still uh, struggling to, to do that correctly. And so the current solution is uh, if you can offload the, the, the PAI data, the email addresses uh, from your servers, uh, then you're good to go uh, to the cloud. 
yeah, if not, they're still having a problem. I think technically it's it's quite okay because uh, if you can uh, in in our company, if you can run uh, your uh, Java service as a Tomcat, then you can run it as a Docker container. If you can run it as a Docker container, you can run it in Kubernetes. Uh, so you need to migrate your database. So that's also a big thing for most services. Okay. So I guess uh, PAI and database migration are still uh, still hard topics. Still the things, yeah. But that's that's. Limiting from you moving to the cloud, but if you can go, then the then it's quite easy to uh, really benefit from the from the cloud. Yeah, and and, and in this case, the, the Doxy due to its setup, it's 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 a stateless stupid thing. You you send bytes to it, and you receive bytes. No so, no okay. state, no no distributed model kind of things. You just use it, and you can use it from. Uh, from one node, but we can also use it from 100 nodes. It's so it's it, due to the, the the setup of the Doxy. That's why it, it's not very yeah. difficult. Uh, so when you have to deal with state, then it becomes more. Yeah. Complex, then so. yeah. Then uh, I, I think uh, later on you will ask me about what's your key takeaway. How do you know? But my takeaway is, um, if possible. Try not to lift and shift because then you, will, you, you yeah, like I said before, you you wrap a container, you you wrap a, wrap it in a Docker container and run it in another data center, which uh, I think is more expensive than our own data center. So don't do that. Make use of the cloud. Try to use native stuff, and then you can maximize the benefits. Okay. What what would be one of the things that we could really benefit, or what most of our applications could really benefit uh, if we transcribe them, let's say, to cloud-native stuff? What, what, what would really be in it for them? Uh, what I really would like to try is edge functions, cloud functions. Cloud functions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's uh, yeah, it's still on the, on the to-do list, and there are some uh, security uh, constraints here and there. But um, yeah, that I think that would really make a difference. Okay. So, th so there could really be a future for us moving to that part. Uh, that's what you're saying. Yeah, so yeah. Then you only, as a developer, you only have to deal with business logic and mm. uh, logging metrics, uh, the whole uh, shebang. It's all been taken care of. There's also another angle to that. So instead of uh, looking at the technical advantages, there's also an organizational advantage. So you can have, you are in control. If you run mm -hmm. in the cloud, uh, you own the service, you can add resources, remove them. And for example, if your service gets too big, you can split it into a second service. And if you try that in our data center, if you have done it once, you will stop trying usually. <laughs> and then services just grow until they reach like a tipping point or uh, uh, or they become so big that even the business uh, wants to have it split in separate domains. And if you're in the cloud, you, have, you are in control. And I think this is the best takeaway that you are in control if you're in the cloud in our company. Okay. Yeah, so basically, we already had two takeaways. Is there anything <laughs> that you really, really <laughs> have an uh, urge to share it, uh, with our listeners? Something you get when you have a friend of the show. Eh? He knows the, the layout of the, he knows the, the drill. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, okay, you shared it, uh, your takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Rene did as well. Yeah. One, uh, one final? Well, uh, it's just a final for me. I, uh, I work to... Uh, uh, enable teams to, to be autonomous, to be self-servicing. So when we work on the cloud, I see that it's really happening. When we did this in the data center, it was always like, 
partially happening or a ticket here or there or maybe some confluence page that requires editing and uh, you're now just free to go and that also works for me because if I have to support 80 teams with all kinds of uh, uh, tickets for some cleanups or other administrative work uh, yeah, then I start doing something else yeah. and it's not uh, scalable right yeah so everybody's a winner with the cloud yeah. so a real huge step for us uh, moving there That's yeah. yeah yeah cool cool Yeah, uh, René and Rogier, thanks for sharing your story, uh, the move to the cloud, and, and specifically the, the, this case of uh, auto-scaling and scaling down. Um, yeah, I, I, I liked it to hear about it, uh, even got some extra insights that I didn't get during the, the presentation, so really uh, wordful for me uh, as well. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Yeah. And maybe until uh, next uh, episode. Thank you. Yeah, I hope to be uh, back sometime. <laughs> And you also become a friend of the show, <laughs> right? It's <laughs> a great title. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you like the episode, check some of the others and subscribe to our feed. Go to Spotify or iTunes, search for TechLab and subscribe. Hope to meet you in our next episode. Have fun.